Dear Junkie Journal, my hope is this podcast reaches the people that had a chaotic and traumatic childhood who not only survived it, but live with the after effects and continue to see the light in the dark. To the people that have to look themselves in the mirror every single day to say, keep going. You are not your trauma. When I began this journey, I had no intention of doing a podcast. In truth, I was encouraged to write these stories down in a journal by my life coach and friend, Julie. So the first season is really gonna be based on the junk in my own trunk. The second season will be more geared towards advice, coaching. Uh, You'd be surprised just how much you carry over from childhood. So this is the second part to a story I was telling about my brother Dallas. If you haven't heard that one yet, I would encourage you to listen to it first and then listen to this one. For the rest of you, the story continues. This takes place in Illion, New York, in an apartment building located next to a local liquor store. My brother had asked me to drop him off, you know, at this place. So when I pulled up, there's this girl. She's clearly, like, strung out on drugs. She's, like, real skinny. She's got all the marks on her arms and stuff, you know. He gave her a disgusted look, you know, but I didn't, he didn't really say anything about it. I don't know why, but I never forgot this moment because I had this horrible feeling, right? It just kind of like, just came over me. Uh, and this thought, it, and this, this has happened to me often in my life where I just have this really strong intuition, like something bad is going to happen or a pop, you know, a thought just pops in my head and, and I have no control over it. But a lot of times it's on point. It's crazy. Uh, but I have learned to listen to it. Anyways, the thought was, you're never going to see your brother again. Tell him you love him. And it was such a random, crazy thought. I had never thought that before in my life. So, like, as he's grabbing his book bag out of the car, I said to him, hey, I love you. I just, I just want you to know I love you. You know, be careful. And he smiled and gave me this stupid, wise-ass smirk, you know, and nodded to the girl. And uh, he just kind of like rolled his eyes and started squinting his eyes, like imitating her to make me laugh. I don't know. He's so stupid. Anyways, um, I just left him. You know, I laughed and just kind of pulled out. I got a call the next morning from my mom telling me the police called her. Dallas was being airlifted, apparently, to Syracuse Hospital. So he had been assaulted. Uh, That's all she knew. They didn't have any more information. So I immediately just head to the hospital. When I get there, he was in ICU. And before I went in, I spoke to the doctors who informed me he was in a coma. He had been hit in the head with pipes or some kind of blunt objects. And his skull and eye socket were completely crushed on one side of his face and um, all cracked on the other side. They said his skull looked like an egg, just like a cracked egg everywhere. Uh, They didn't know if he was going to make it. They couldn't give me a straight answer. So I go in, you know, and seeing him was so hard. His entire head was wrapped in bandages. Like you could only see like his nose and like his eyes. That everything else was just wrapped, 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 you know. The little bit of like face you could see was completely black and blue. His eyes were swollen shut. There was like so many tubes and wires attached to him. It was hard to even understand what really was going on. Like, what was he hooked up to this machine for? Why was he on this one? You know, clearly there's a ventilator, but um, I didn't understand the other equipment. You know, he just kept like going into seizures and having these crazy fevers. And they said that was kind of normal. Like when someone gets a brain injury, apparently they go, you know, a lot of them have fevers, like about 50% actually. 
Uh, it's all when the fevers happen. So apparently with brain injury, the people who have high fevers within 72 hours of injury <clears throat> have a six times um, or have six times the mortality rate of an febrile patient. So that was scary. You know, I, of course, the first thing I'm doing is Googling, you know, things and scaring the shit out of myself because that's what I like to do. But, um, you know, I'm not sure how long he was in a coma, but I sat there like day after day talking to him, holding his hands. He'd have these seizures and his whole body would like bounce off the table, you know, and I kept holding him down when he was having his episodes, you know, and just begging him, you know, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know, just wake up. Just, you know, everything's going to be okay, you know, and he never responded, you know, no movement whatsoever. I think it was like a week or so went by before mom came. Joining something freaking crazy. She comes in, walks up to the bed, and starts fucking yelling at him. Dallas, get the fuck up. Open your eyes. You know, come on. Time to come back. I said, wake the fuck up right fucking now, mister. You hear me? It was crazy. You know, at this point, I'm looking at her like she has ten fucking heads. Like, what the fuck is honestly wrong with this lady? How come she's not crying? This is her son. It's just mind-blowing. You know the crazy part, though? <laughs> It worked. He literally started moving his eyes under his lids. He had not moved the whole fucking week. She comes in screaming and yelling and, and it just, it gets him moving. It gets his attention. Somehow she reached far into the depths of wherever the fuck he was and she got to him. You know, his fingers moved a little bit. You know, he fucking heard her. I had been sitting there, you know, talking to him every day crying my fucking ass off and she marches in there big as life and screams at him and he starts moving unfucking believable even in a coma mom's voice shook this kid it's crazy at any rate it didn't really matter how the good news is he was responsive for the first time and that gave us hope you know after that was game on every day he moved a little more until eventually he opened his eyes you know he still wasn't talking but he could blink once for yes and twice for no so he was understanding what we were saying. They told him what happened to him, and the nurse thought it was a good idea to hand him a mirror. I, I really just, I don't know what this woman was thinking. But he looked at it, and it, it seemed like he looked at it for a long time, just like trying to comprehend what he was seeing. And then, you know, he started crying and uh, it was like a waterfall. He just was crying and crying, but he couldn't move anything. So all you saw was these tears just filling his eyes and it was just really heartbreaking. Uh, you know, he was completely disfigured. It took months, but eventually he was able to be released. You know, Dallas changed again. Only this time he was a fraction of his former self. He couldn't really speak clearly which was frustrating for him. He mumbled a lot and you could not, you just couldn't understand him. And you were trying, I was trying so hard to just understand little things, but it, it was hard. Uh, his head was caved in like a spoon on one side and it was like that for a long time. They eventually put a plate in, but he has a deep scar from the front of his head to the base, like in the back. And his head is still partially indented. But it looks like someone just, I mean, they did, I guess they did do that, right? They, they cut it that open and just like sewed it or whatever. And, and it looks exactly like that's what happened, you know? He has, uh, horrible seizures and headaches. He, he's constantly dizzy and nauseous. Like if you go around a corner and he's driving, you know, you're driving with him, 
he's got to puke. He's got to puke. He's got to puke. Falls asleep in the middle of conversation, has like chronic depression, which obviously anybody would, you know, you're overnight, you're completely disfigured. I mean, you're no longer, you don't recognize the person in the mirror, you know, and that's got to be really hard. Uh, he has to have 24-7, you know, care now. So, you know, he has a medical staff because the injury affected his ability to comprehend situations or remember to take his medicine. Now, I know that they oversee him, but I don't think they have to, like, live with him. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the situation is right now. I'd have to talk to him. But I do know that he is changed forever. A tiny fraction of who he was and even... You know, even further away from the 12 year old boy with hopes of making better choices. It just sucks. The main guy that beat Dallas in the head with a pipe was arrested. The, you know, the other guy was never found. When I asked Dallas what exactly happened that day later on, he told me from what he remembers, he was partying with that girl I seen outside and two other guys. They kept bugging him for more drugs but didn't want to pay for them apparently. So he told them no, but eventually fell asleep. He woke up when the first guy hit him with the pipe. He said he was disoriented, but went to go after the person and the other guy hit him from behind. So he has these two guys on each side of him. He found out later um, the other guy was hitting him with a table leg. When that happened, he said he couldn't see. Everything went white. When he came to again, he realized he was bleeding, so he tried to run out of the apartment down the stairs, and they chased him, and both took turns just hitting him until he passed out. He said after that, they must have ran off. Uh, you know, over and over again, he kept waking up, moving a little, and then passing out, moving again, passing out. He doesn't remember making it outside, but he must have, because that's where he was found, and that's all he remembers. You know, if, if you had to guess, what do you think the top three causes of crime are? I was uh, doing some research on this and I was like, okay, all right, that's interesting. I guess I would have, I, this is not surprising, but I didn't realize this would be the top three. So the top three are lack of education, living in poverty, and being raised by a single parent. Obviously, you know, Dales has all three of those. Among, like among married two-parent families, crime rate is really low, but that jumps to 70% in a single-family home. So 70% of criminals are from a broken home. I mean, in this story, my brother is both the criminal and the victim, which seems awfully familiar. It's like over and over, you know, a victim turns into the perpetrator, and that happens over and over and over again. Uh, or vice versa, but I, I was um, surprised by the jump in crime, you know, from married couples to, you know, single family homes. I was like, wow, that's pretty big. Anyways, all right, uh, story's out, and uh, that's it. On to the next.